0: Hello, welcome along to week two of series four of the High Performance Podcast. As always, it's brilliant to have you joining us for your hit of inspiration, to be uplifted, to be educated, to hear other people's points of view, to find out what sort of a life someone has really lived rather than the life that we think they've all lived. This podcast is just about having a conversation with high achieving individuals that you simply don't hear anywhere else. And actually, this week's guest is so honest, so revealing, so vulnerable that I just want to get straight into a quick clip this is what you can expect on this week's high performance podcast
1: you're not happy with your job now you keep on talking about wanting to leave you look like you're not going any further up ladder you're working for somebody else right now what are you going to do you've got this idea you know everything about it you've got people to back you are you going to just sit on there and and think of what could have been or are you actually going to do something about it
2: Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel,
3: founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right
0: I really enjoyed this conversation. Don't forget that you can, of course, rate and review the podcast. We actually get some incredible comments, and we do our very best to read all of them. I just want to share this one with you, and it comes from Richie, and he says, Hi, guys. I've never written anything to anyone like this, but I wanted to say thank you for the podcast. I discovered them back in the summer when I was going through a bad time with stress and depression. And this podcast, and believing in the fault versus responsibility message and no excuses got me through. In the last month my wife out of nowhere has left me without any signs or warning and I find myself listening back to every single episode again multiple times as I find I get something from each one and it's the only thing helping me through this time. It's inspired me to push forward, apply for promotion and realise there's nothing I can do to change what has happened but it's now my responsibility to change my life for the better in the direction I want. Um, they've said thanks to us but I think we should be saying thanks to them because it's messages like that that inspire us to keep on going with the high performance podcast it's not just conversations with people that have achieved great things it's lessons from those people that you can apply to your own life so please do rate the podcast review the podcast it makes such a difference to us and we love you guys getting in touch and sharing your thoughts with us okay let's do it then let's get into this week's episode i just want to warn you before we get going that if you're offended by bad language or if you're with children or other people who are offended this week's guest does use quite a lot of colorful language so uh, be warned as we get going but it is a remarkable episode nonetheless i think it's probably one of my favorites let's do it it's time for this week's high performance podcast Hi there, I'm Jay Humphrey. You're listening to High Performance, the podcast that delves into the minds of some of the most successful athletes, visionaries, entrepreneurs, and artists on the planet, and aims to unlock the very secrets to their success. Everyone needs a professor in their life, and mine is also an author, an expert in the success of sporting teams and cultures. And you grew up in
3: a boxing house, right? Yeah, my dad was a boxing coach. So my playground from um, as early as I can remember was a boxing gym, Jake. So... uh I'm really looking forward to this. I think that one of my favourite definitions of boxing is it's chess with gloves on. And it's about the best fighters are thinking fighters. So I'm really excited to meet uh, somebody that is a thinking fighter.
0: Right. Let's get into it then. And welcome a man who is currently the greatest featherweight fighter on the planet. You will know him for his work in the ring, but what about the man behind the world titles? His role as a father as well as a fighter. Who is the man who studied dentistry? What does he do in his sporting life to achieve success? What are his non-negotiable behaviors? And what does he do that you can apply in your life? Welcome to the High Performance Podcast, Josh Warrington. Nice to have you with us.
1: Very well done there, Jake. Uh, <laughs> you've done this before, haven't you? A couple of times. Right, come on then, honor to be here. What is high performance? It's a big question. It's a big question in in, in what field, you know, in, in daily life, in sport. What's high performance in your personal life? High, high performance is, is, is being a good dad, being a good husband, providing for my family, being a good brother to my special needs brother, to my autistic sister, to my other brother who missed out his childhood. Maybe they had to sacrifice time with my dad. When we are growing up, because my dad, you know, trained me as a young man, being a role model, you know, being given that title in the public eye now. I have people spending the nardo and money come to, to watch me perform in the, under the bright lights in the ring, whatever. Being inspiring to the next generation and try to leave a legacy behind, you know. Those things and priorities have changed um, a lot of the years, but family has normally always been number one and uh, continue will probably continue to be so. And how important has it been for you to have a a dad who sacrificed so much
0: to get you to be the fighter you are, but also to have family members who who have special needs so that you have that daily reminder how lucky you have been? I wonder to
1: what extent your family is your inspiration. It's massive inspiration. I mean, let's, and I smoke up my own backside, but I think I've always had a, a wiser on young shoulders. So I've always... Looked at life a little bit differently. Um, when a young man, I used to spend a lot of time with my dad. It seems it was like it was like my best mate, you know. It was it wasn't like a father and son. We were just we were more or less pals. I used to socialise a lot with him and his pals. So I'd be amongst the like an older mentality, and just you get to see, you know, the, the sacrifices when you look at other families and how they're going about their business. And then you, you know, you sit at home at night and you realise I'm spending so much time with dad, but Mark's and Thomas aren't. You know they're not, they're not spending as much time with him. And as you get older and you look back on that, you think, well, as I go forward in life, I've got to make sure that that was all worth it because there's one thing that you can't be given back and that's time. So in a way, use that as motivation, especially throughout my pro career. I'm oldest out of my brothers and my sister and later down the line, I look at it and think maybe my brother might need help down the line in... A helping hand in getting a job or getting a house or whatever. Someone might like my sister. So I want to build an empire. Obviously I've got my immediate family, I've got my wife, I've got my kids, but I don't just feel like that's us to close the door. I've always been a family man and I've always been close to my family. So um, you know I feel responsibility in that sense and that is used in a motivation. I don't just solely rely on that, but it's added to the motivation when, you know, you're you're in the change rooms hours before the fight. And you're thinking, why do I do this? Why am I not going to lose it tonight in the ring? It can be a very powerful tool, mate. So one of our key phrases
3: then, Josh, is we talk about this roots that give you wings to fly. And it sounds that your family gave you some pretty powerful roots in which you can still draw on today. What would you say were the most important things that when you describe that family and that, that legacy that you have to them, what is it that they did give you that have afforded you to go on and be so successful?
1: I think, from a young lad as a kid growing up in Leeds on you know a council estate, it's easy to get fall you know it's easy to fall into what everyone else is doing. So nicking cars, sniffing glue, you know smoking whatever, drinking on a Friday night. And why do you not want to do that? Everyone else is doing it. Why do you want to spend your time three times a week going to a boxing gym? Why don't you go play football with everyone else? As much as I would like to have played football, I just didn't have the talent. Walked into a boxing gym. And played at it. Just an energetic kid. Um, How old were you when you were? I first, like right? seven years old. Right. Energetic kid, you know. Grew up in, in, in the 90s watching like WWF. So watching people put steel chairs over there, that were amazing to me. And I was just, uh, I always playing fighting with my brothers. But my dad was like, right, we need to take that energy out of you. So I went into a boxing gym. But just like anything as a kid, you know, you go full fads and that. And my old fellow used to turn around and say to me, listen... Don't waste time. You're wasting my time for me taking you to the gym. He said, you're wasting the people who are looking after you in the gym. You're wasting their time. He said, if you're going to do it, don't do it. If you want to go and play with your mates, well, fucking we go play with your mates. You can't come downstairs and say to me, Dad, I want to go to the gym tonight. And then I want to go two days later. He said, you either do it or you don't do it. And instantly it told me that. It didn't take much for me to... You know, I would have to be told again, that would it. If I was going to be a boxer, then I was going to be a boxer. I think he said that about eight years old, and I'd been playing for about two years, but that would it. I would dedicate it to it then. When I would get into a teenage lad, hanging about with my mates, yeah, they'd be, they'd be having a drink and go to house parties on Friday night, but instead of me having a drink, I'd take a bottle of water with me, I'd take a bottle of Luke's head. Instead of getting the bus home, you know, bus three miles home, I'd jog home instead. And that was just my mentality. I didn't want to be... Wasting anybody else's time. I'd already seen that my brothers had sacrificed quite a lot. Yep. I'd already seen that, that, like, my dad coming home from work, then taking me to the gym, you know. So it wasn't as though I would try to do it to him, like, impress him as such, but I wanted to kind of thank him for the time already. And then, and, and, and I obviously use that as an inspiration later down the line.
3: I remember I did, um, I was fortunate to write a book a few years ago about Marvin Hagler, and I remember a quote that he'd spoken about boxers. Their motivation is one of three types. He talks about desperation, that you have got you do it to escape something. Yeah, yeah. Rationalization, because it's where your best ta- talents are best served. And then the third one, and he said this was the most powerful one, was inspiration. Yeah. The guys that have just found this place and they do it because they'd rather do that than anything else on earth. Yeah. So, what was your inspiration beyond making the most of the time and the messages your dad had given you? What was it that boxing gave you?
1: Um, I was about three foot until I was about fifteen. <laughs> I'm still waiting to grow now. Still waiting to fucking get airs on my knickers. But uh, you know, it was just one of them things where I grew up in a state where, like, if you. If you had a an older brother who a cock on the estate, then you were all right. You know, everyone fucking looked, up, uh, looked after you and that. I didn't have like older brothers. Like I say, I'm oldest out lot. If you had a mum, who would spoil your you know, like best trainers on and the best tracksuit on, then you got treated treat a little bit differently. If you were going to chip in with your mates and go get a 10 bag, then you're, you're part of that circle. I didn't do none of them things, but I still hung around that circle. You know, why? I don't know. But later down the line, I wanted it to be better than that. I had my first fight week after my 11th birthday and these fights used to take parts in working men's clubs up and down the country. You know, you'll know yourself like in, in the amateur days and, uh, you know, I, I get out of the ring a lot of time, I, you know, just want to fight, go pick up my trophy, be chuffed to bits with that, you know. I tried hard at school and I, 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 liked, I liked success, I liked to win. I've always liked that, that winning feeling. And I'd get out of the ring chuffed to bits with my trophy and I'd be walking fast past Fork and I'd always, I'd hear it up and down the country. Hey, young'un, come here. Come here, young'un. Wherever I want, whether it's up in Newcastle, over in Manchester, in Bradford, wherever. Young'un, come here. Someone would always pull me over. Hey, I'll tell you what, you keep going. You keep going. You've got something there. You've got something there. Some of my dad's pals used to say, the same. hey, keep on with your boxing. Don't get distracted with all this and this. Don't want to be doing, don't want to end up where I am. I used to look at these blokes and think, well, you you know, you, you present yourself. Well, you've got a car. What's, what's wrong with being, being you? But I think you slowly realise that time flies by very quickly and a lot of people were saying to me, stick at it. They once had a promising career in football, in sport or whatever. They were once a fresh-faced teenager without getting into drink and drugs or whatever, and all of a sudden, bam, 10 years has gone by, mm-hmm. they're knocking on daughter 30, they're still living at home in the mum and dad's back bedroom. You know, they ain't got a pot to piss in. And they're like, where's it all gone? Yeah. You know, it It was cool to be out, out of his head like a few years ago. All of a sudden, everyone's knuckling down, everyone's got wives, everyone's got mortgages. What am I doing? And i kind of taken that mentality like, what the hell, it does it, got to go quickly. So I didn't want to end up like every other lad off the estate where no one comes from this estate and does anything. Well, boxing, it gives you that thing where you're in control of what you do. And uh, again, I took that mentality from a young age. I remember watching one lad in a in a, in a championship fight, and he did fuck off for three rounds, and he got out and he cried his eyes out and his mum and dad was screaming, robbery, he should have won that fight, but he didn't do anything. Yeah, it didn't it was three rounds and he hardly threw a punch. And I I, I watched him that fight, why is is everyone carrying on round here when it's in his own destiny right there. If he wants to win the fight, throw the punches. So if, like for my mentality is that is I'm in there and there's another man in there, that's it. It's not like I'm relying on ten other people alongside me. It's me and it's him. So just throw the punches and See, that's what fascinates me
3: about you. your answers though on this, Josh. If you don't mind me interrupting, no, us, go on. That your relationship with time seems really interesting. That it's almost like you're racing against time to fill the time. As much as you can, whether this is with setting a good example, looking yeah. after your brothers and yeah. your, and your your own children, or whether you're in a title fight, how do you fill that twelve rounds now? Yeah, yeah, in the most productive way possible.
1: Yeah yeah I, I don't know I think it's numbers I would, uh, young, as a young kid I had I'd bad OCD my mind would fucking wonder and, uh, and ask crazy crazy questions to myself like what I listen six seven years old I used to wake up and go downstairs dad why are we here <laughs> right <laughs> and what answer did he get <laughs> what do you mean lad <laughs> what are you asking me questions like you've got school in the morning I go back you know, what happens to us when we die where, where do we go you know what I mean and obviously uh, teachers will tell you it's religion you you, you go up to heaven and blah, blah 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 but they fucking don't know the answers it's a scary question isn't it for a young kid to come asking them kind of questions Why are we, how did you get made oh you learn about it in science for, like, further down the years but I don't know mate I just uh, so I've always been you're a bit, obsessing a then at a young age about things that are totally out of your control 100% yeah and suddenly you've find
0: something where you are absolutely in control exactly and then you realize hold on a minute if i put the effort in if i give this my all yeah then i can be successful and that feels to me like that was maybe a revelation for you that this was for the first time in your life something totally in your hands
1: Yeah, most definitely most definitely and 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 for a while it was my out it was my outlay you know when i was i was in control of that it wasn't like no nobody could say to me you're not playing today because you're not good enough or you weren't good enough in training the other day so you dropped. Listen, it's whatever you do in your training session, don't mind because it unloved So you walk into the ring and, you know, when I grew up in Leeds, you know, and especially in my school, they the one the one of me, the boxer. So we're quite unique. You liked being the guy at the party
0: holding the water and everyone going, Why is he holding water? well he's a boxer, didn't you yeah, know? Yeah. And it yeah. just sort of
1: put you on a pedestal that maybe you thrived on, that you still thrive on now. I think you're right, to be honest with you, Jake. Maybe I didn't get it in other fields, so I looked for it in in, in other ways, shapes and forms. And that was my get out to be to be different, just not being the same as everyone else. You know, I want the like I say, I want the tallest, I want the best looking, even though I'm not a bad looking fella. I know what I mean. I didn't have like a, a lot of brothers <laughs> who were, you know, cock on the state and that. So that were my little thing. There, like my unique you know person but like at 16 I'm in that I'm in that predicament of you know academically when I first started school I was on with 48 level A stars this and other. by year 9 year 10 getting into GC's everyone's starting to knuckle down my head's on boxing I'm just obsessed with it boxing, boxing, boxing you know going for you know five mile runs every night constantly in gym always thinking about you know the next opponent and the next thing Dad dad's saying little things like you need to go out and get that next run done you know be do what your other man's not doing then I'd be, be visualising you know visualised from a young age and then uh, I, I've, I've finished school I've got 11 A to C GSACs but I don't fucking know what I want to do you know everyone's had their two year plan they know what i They want to have got college I want to do this one and I'm like I've just hit a bit of a rut then you know I've, I've, I've kind of doing this so much and all of a sudden it stops you're in school and you that's you just it's just what you do and then bang stops what do I do now so I remember someone coming in from um, from from the marines talking about yeah sign on to marines and we'll we'll guide your path we'll guide your life this and other I, go, I don't mind doing exercise and you can box in, in, in marines and that that appeals to me there and my old fella said to me listen he said you know what I know you're thinking about being a pro. It's a long time away, you know. A couple of years, you've got to be 18 in um, in Britain to to become a professional fighter. He said it might seem a long way now, but he said just wait, be patient, give it a go. He said if it don't work out for you, you can always go in the forces later down the line, be an officer or whatever. But I think you might have something there to do to move forward with the boxing. So just give it a go, Josh, and you know for a for a what seemed like a like a bit of a lifetime. I, I seemed to scratch my head every night, every time I went to bed, thinking about, you know, as a sixteen year old lad, it's it's life changing decisions. Do you do you sign up for this life doing this and over, or do you just carry on holding, waiting for, you know, life as a boxer? And all well, I mean I, I took the latter and But in uh, hindsight,
3: does that not sound obvious given what Jake had just said about that you needed control you needed to control your own destiny and the marines would in many ways
1: have taken that control away from you it would have taken away but i think going through your teenage years and adolescent years and like hormones are all over the place and stuff like that and i think it was just because everything had just been taken away from me i've maybe comfortable because i had my boxing and I just school and it's just what you did all of a sudden you're thrown into into a big wide world then you know 16 if you're not doing anything, what are you going to be doing? You're going to go sign on and like I said to you, I didn't want to just become another product of this day of like, I'm going to go get my gyro. You know, I wanted to make sure I could do something and it seemed that I could just step straight into that and, and start making a difference there. All right, it wouldn't be uniquely about me, but I'd have a focus. And, and and in end, I just fell into to sixth form, started studying sports and psychology. I did a few months there, but but I just lost the, the drive for for studying. It wanted to do. I just wanted to be in the gym and that was it. But at the same time, you know, I've got a few brothers. My mum and dad have split up. You know, my dad's going out to work all hours in, in in his taxi. You know, he's trying his best to provide for us. I don't want to be relying, relying on him. Dad can't tapping him up for a tenner. So I find myself getting a job as a dental technician in the lab. I don't know how I fell into the job. It would have just been the case of me old fella knew someone at the lab said, oh, can I just come up and just clean about, just do something It just needs a focus? And uh, and that was it. Started working as that. And uh, next minute, I've, I've taken to it, and McGaffer turns around and says to me, listen, you're not half bad at this. He said, but if you want to carry on working and progress further into the company, you're going to have to qualify into it. So I ended up doing four years at Leeds University alongside. See, now this fascinates me because... Boxing
3: doesn't necessarily lend itself to stories like this. Like you casually said about your 11 GCSEs that you got. and Now you're signing up for four years at university. And yet I think the best fighters are the thinking fighters, like we said in the introduction. You think of someone like Lomachenko that sort of does an awful lot in terms of um, working on the brain as much as he does on his physical attributes. And I'm interested in in that aspect of your development that you obviously nurtured that intellect, that ability to keep thinking. How much do you think that helped you as a fighter?
1: Massively, massively. Um, it, it's helped me throughout my pro career in, in every every single field. You know, it's taken me throughout the levels to get to the level where I'm at now. I mean, turning pro, um, as a young amateur, I... I had aspirations to be a uh, box four for England. You know, I only wanted to have an England vest. When you're seeing lads t- pull up to shows and they had a, an England vest on, you thought they're, they're decent, them. And that's all I wanted. But by 16, I had aspirations of turning pro. But then it's always been small goals for me. You know, when you see a lot of young lads, not just in boxing, just in sport and everything, they want everything fucking yesterday. You know, they want to have instant success. Nobody wants to have the long slog, but that wasn't my mentality at the time, it was just a case of, right, let's just see how we go here. I'm Josh running from Leeds, I'm 18 year old, I've got a bit of amateur experience, you know, not got a a big fan base or like that. I work as a dental technician, but I just want to see how far I can go, set myself a few goals, win a British title. If I could, anything for a bonus after that would be, get a house deposit, you know, put a car on the drive. You know, I'm I'm working as an apprentice, apprentice dental technician, you know, I'm an all right wage for me, for me, for me age, but I want more. I want more. So at this point, this has gone, from, this has moved on from just enjoying boxing, hasn't it?
0: This has now yeah. become a serious goal setting and then goal achieving for you.
1: Well, already I'm looking back. I'm 18, but I'm looking back and thinking, well, I've missed all the house parties. I've got to make this, this count for something now. All my pals are going off to be in college, university. Some of them are walking into apprenticeships and they're pulling in a few grand a month. And I'm looking at them, thinking, "Wow! Even though you're not competing against them, you look at your pals as a as a as a, or I did anyway, as as a bar to where where to be at, and you want to be above that bar." So all of a sudden, I've got my little career there with boxing, and yeah, there's other little things what are motivating now. I've met Natasha, my me, me now wife. She's got a career in hospitality and chefing. She's working for Raymond Blanc's restaurant and in, in the chain of them all over Leeds. She's a designer field. I'm saying to her, listen, if you're going to be with me, it's going to be an hard life. We're not going to be able to go off to parties week in, week out. We are not going to be able to um, go out for meals or we're going to have to sacrifice a lot of things. But if you stick by me, it'd be worth it. Unless you know, just see how far we go. When you talk about sacrifice, what happened to those relationships with the friends of yours that didn't come on the journey with you? It was just one of them. Josh does his boxing. Josh does his boxing. Did you have to
0: let people go, though,
1: from oh, your life? Yeah, 100%. And you become selfish. become very selfish. You don't see nobody. But then boxing's a weird sport because ultimately you, you turn around and you need them because, and Damon will know this from, from his dad, that when you're fat on shows you need to sell tickets to for you to get paid. You sell a few tickets where you can put a bit of money into the pot, then yeah, we'll have you on show. You'll have you on show. So as, 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 as a fighter going forward, yeah, I want to be on part of them big So you shows. always had
0: these goals. And that's what I think is really fascinating is that you are a goal setter and then a goal achiever. And most people would sit here and go, I'd love to be a world champion at something. Oh, I'd love to have a Ferrari or I'd love to have a big house or I'd love to have a private jet, but then don't do anything to go and achieve those things. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. forever yeah. remain... Just an ambition. But you clearly went and targeted those things. So I, I I guess that comes down to self-belief. And I really want to touch on this subject with you now, how important it was for you to always believe that
1: this would happen. Didn't always believe it was going to happen because you have setbacks. You have setbacks in in in, uh, in life, and like you say, there, everybody in uh, certainly in this day and age, in this millennial age, they want instant success, instant gratitude. Fucking give me a pat on the back. Look what I've just done. Well, I was working like at the bottom of the chain as a as a as dental technician. Some of my pals at work used to call me a process worker. Now, when we talk about inspirations from outside, obviously I had my internal goals. I wanted to be proud of myself. I wanted to be make my family proud. I wanted to make my dad proud. I wanted to have the finer things in life because I I put everything in hundred percent everything to what I did. I remember one of the lads and we were having a bit of banter one day, and he said, listen, Josh, he says, that's all, you, all you're going to be in life, right? It's a fucking process work. You're not going to do anything. And I remember turning around to him at times time and said, listen, when I get to your age, I think you're around 27, listen, I'll have done this. I'll achieve achieved more than you've ever dreamed of in my life, and I'll have got this, this, and this. And I didn't always put it down to material position, but no, I was just letting him know where but i But you alive. believed it, though. That's the key thing. I, I believed it because I was... I was willing to put the time effort, yeah. and effort in. Listen, there were times I'd come out of the gym with a black eye, a bus lip, a fat nose, and you think, oh, I'm never going to achieve that goal. But then it was something, again, what I've learned from a young age in the boxing. I'd come away from that and I'd want to do better in the next session. As a kid, I remember getting chinned in the gym, crying as I'm moving around the ring. I'm getting beat up by this lad a few years older than me. He's popping me nose. I've get out the ring. <laughs> My dad was lying in. That, he used to be honest with me, he say, oh, fucking shite that lad. I'm being carried on my home. Shite that, shite. For two days, I'm thinking, my pal say, you coming out to play, Josh? I'm like, i am be in my bedroom, shadow boxing, oh. fucking obsessed. You're going to learn hard in boxing, mate. You're getting punched at first. I didn't want to go back to the gym on that following session and have another beating and get embarrassed in front of everyone else. So I've gone to my bedroom and I'm. I'm shadow boxing i'm picturing what's gonna happen this next sparring session it doesn't mean shit it's a sparring session but for me it's personal pride so i'm going back in that next session and i make him cry all of a sudden i felt a massive relief what have i done differently well i've put a little bit more time into myself i've had a little bit more belief in myself confidence has gone up a little bit more and that seemed to happen throughout my amateur days you know it got to a stage at one point I walking the shows i didn't have an ounce of nerve into me and then I took that, I tried to roll it over into, into the pro career, but then I'm I'm at the bottom of the pond again now, so I've got to get to the top, but you have got to make it happen. And I used to just take every little bit, every little step in my career, one bit at a time. Maybe one good thing of having my manager with me, Steve, and my dad, they didn't want me to be fed the easy fights. You know, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it this way, we're going to do it the proper way. I had like a proper apprenticeship, mm. so... In there, with 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 testing fights at a young age, tight fights that had, had pushed me and I learned a lot through. I come out. What could I have done better? I've always been obsessed with wanting to better myself. See, but I think that makes you exceptional
3: because you're saying it as if it's as if it was natural to you. But in my experience, I think that what you often see with say some young fighters or some of the young athletes that we've met here is that when they get beat, whether it's in the gym in sparring or in a real life fight they quickly look to point the finger at who can they blame, whether it's yes. a coach or the manager for overmatching them or the promoter for not giving them the right opponent. And yet what you're describing is a theme that we come over time and time again on the podcast, which is responsibility, yeah. absolute responsibility, and looking at yourself before you point the finger at anyone else.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think I realised that a fair few times. My dad could constantly give me a reminder of that. Don't no excuse. And we're driving home from... And we'll, we've just travelled over to Manchester to spar some kids in there. Just drove over to Liverpool, got work in the morning. Yeah, he's got work in the morning. Fucking chite, that lad. You were not do anything I told you to. Why not? I don't know, dad. You better find that reason because when you come to three weeks' time and you're fighting and you've sold all them tickets to your pals, come watch. If you don't fucking find the reason there, then you're going to get found out. And that was my mentality again. You know, when you walk into the ring... You can't complain about, I wish I'd have done this, I wish I'd done that. That's it, now it's happening. You're going to get found out there. Even when at the early stages, like I say, I were having some testing fights at a young age. Um, I wasn't just having knowledge to blast out and make my record look good. I was in testing fights. Some of these fighters were coming for the win, some of them were novices themselves, and they were after the win. So it was a case of. If I don't do anything about it, I ain't got no one else to rely on it. My dad can say whatever he wants in the corner. He can say, pick it up. If I ain't got the engine to do so, who's that down to? And I'm not surprised you have this mindset because we've already spoken about the fact that you love boxing because you were able to be
0: responsible for your own success. And I, I think that when we look at blame or we look at fault and things like that, we we have an almost a comfy relationship with blame, I think, a lot of people. And actually, if you look at it as a, in a totally different way, if you look at it as giving up control, which is what it is, as soon as you start blaming your bed for not sleeping well or blaming the driver that drove you to the thing, getting caught in traffic or blaming the food that someone else cooked for you that you didn't like, yeah. so you didn't eat it, so you didn't have the energy, you all you do is giving up yeah responsibility given up control yeah. if we can try and live in a world where we take ultimate control for things that are our responsibility and things that aren't our responsibility then it gives us the opportunity to be more successful i wonder whether that's
1: something that you notice from quite a young age 100 yeah yeah whatever you it starts with you it has to start with you it's your life you know it, it, it's what your- you like then now with people
0: who look for fault and look for blame and blame other people are you quick to explain to them the way the world works
1: in, uh, obviously, listening to the stories and the circumstances, then, you know, take a decision from there. I always try to look at out of other people's shoes and see it from their scenarios. So somebody might make a rash decision. You know, you, you have human error, but then there could be other factors what influence that if someone's just lost a job and then they've been having a hard time off the, off the partners. Still their responsibility it, then? It is their responsibility, but um I, I guess sometimes... They need to come through them hardships and the hard times to, to, to become stronger inside mentally. Um, and I feel like I had mine as a young boxer. That's where I was able to get my hardship and my, and toughened mentality. Listen, when you lose a fight as a kid, I mean, it's not the most important things, but as a, as a 14, 15 year old lad, fucking all well, you, know, you cry your eyes out for days. You know, you just didn't be embarrassed. You're going to, to school the next day when reputation's everything. You're telling every, all your pals you've just been beat. It's embarrassing you know and uh, how do you get over that you know well you, you become stronger you try to be you know more confident than that. then other little factors in my household my mum I used to go in from, from school and as a 14, 15 old lad and my mum and dad would be screaming house down you know I didn't want to walk into that environment I to to everyone else my pals oh yeah Josh has got a nice mum and dad blah 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 to, to the inside factor it was a fucking war zone didn't want to go home but what do you do do you sit and cry about oh my mum and dad are splitting up well, it's life, it happens. And uh it just fucking toughens you up. And sometimes people's lives just don't go about that. You know, if you've been you if you've just had a steady life where you've been to school and then you've left school and you've gone to college and you've gone to uni, you've not really come up to, to, you know, much challenges. And the most challenges that you've had of like, Well, oh, which fucking pair trainers do I buy? Or oh, um I've, can I go can I go to that gig this weekend or not? Well, it's not, it's not really life life lessons, life challenges, you're not going to learn too much from that. Bam, all of a sudden, fucking landlord's asking for his, his rent and you can't afford it because you've just been sacked from your job. That's a life lesson.
3: Well, there's an old saying in boxing, isn't there, Josh, that like you find out somebody's character when they've been put on the backside. Yeah. So, you know, anyone can knock over, like you say, novices or, or fighters have been brought in for you to do that and look good against. The, the real test of your character is how you weather the storm when those difficult moments happen. And I'm interested in terms of you made a comment before about having to learn to manage your nerves so that you're obviously an intelligent lad and you can bring that thinking mindset into your fights. How did you go through that process of learning to control those nerves to be able to
1: be ice cold in your execution? Trying to jog my memory back from a a kid. You know, you take bits of confidence from having victories in the ring. You take bits of confidence when you're sparring and you're working alongside people who are better than you as a, as a younger lad. So, my dad never wanted me to just go in and, and, and spar with lads my own size and weight, beat them up and then, yeah, give me a pat on back. You know, he would always find reason or room to criticise, And then I wanted praise off my dad. I wanted him to say, okay, well done that lad. But he always wanted to push me as well. So... I'm I'm not sparring lads my own way. I'm sparring lads are heavier than me, more experienced than me, and I'm having hard hard nights. But then when it comes to the fight, that's where he's a bit of mastermind as, as a you know fucking psychologist as, you, as as my dad and as a trainer worked like, so he used to say to me walking to the ring he said this lad's not been in, mixed in the same company with what you've mixed in you've been mixed in mixing with pros you've been sparring with lads who are national champions what has this lad done he's not even got to our level and you're thinking he you hasn't been at the same level he hasn't put the same kind of work in all of a sudden you start adding that and then you get a win then another win and you're never and it that keeps on building and keeps on building
3: So now when you're fighting Ellen Road and you've got thousands of people there for you, you know, that a fight's never won on that ring walk, but it can be lost. What are you doing at those moments now? So that was what you're doing as a young amateur. Mm -hmm. What are you doing now to control your nerves and give you that confidence that you're going to go in
1: there and the world is going to see the best version of Josh Warrington? You know, you set your own little your little goals, your little little uh, areas where you want to be in, kept going from there. Confidence builds, you get to the next stage. All of a sudden, bang, you're on world level. Bloody hell, Josh, you were never meant to win a British title. You weren't good enough. You weren't strong enough. You, had, you hadn't knocked anybody out. You're not fast enough. You know, you're just a ticket seller. Um, things what have taken years and years to build up, you know, time that I'll never get back, is all got to that to that level now. And all of a sudden you're fighting Ellen Road, you're in front of 20,000 people. You've convinced them all that you're gonna win that world title that night, but you're a four-to-one underdog in a two-horse race. You haven't been beaten in 25 fights, but you're you're still four to one. You are going to, the boxing world think that you ain't gonna pray. You know, you're gonna get your head boxed off, you're gonna get stopped, you're gonna do this. You've got all these outside things pecking at your head. But by this time, I'd practised many things visualization meditation i was able to center myself i was able to block out things and and, and people people from now say Oh, josh is cool as a cucumber he's got to this he's got to this stage without no pressure he's, he looks blistering he's up blinding but i don't realize mentally i've been on a fucking roller coaster you know prior to that i've just been given opportunities right you've got a short english title do you want it <sighs> it's away from home it's in his backyard do you want it <sighs> yeah, we'll, we'll do it. We'll do it. Yeah, you're smiling to everyone. Yeah, I'm confident. I'm going to go down really and truthfully in change rooms on that night. You're thinking, "Am I good enough? This is going to be tough." In the fight itself, you haven't to push yourself. You have to find little gears where you didn't know you had and push yourself even further. You come through that. You go on to a next level. You're fighting for Commonwealth. You're fighting for British. You're fighting for European. Fast forward a fair few years. The Lee Selby fights being built up. If no one's giving me a cat and chance. For what reason, I don't know. Because I'm um, Leeds, because I've got a big fan base, whatever. Sub is meant to box me head off. My career was all on that fight. Josh Wanham loses this fight. Never, never mind, he's won British, Commonwealth, European, WBC. He's had five defences. He loses this fight. That's it. I just become a new dad as well. It wasn't just fighting for myself; it was like I'm fighting for them too now. I'm fighting for my little girls. I'm keep ticking boxes off. I've got myself an house, but now if I win this fight, bloody hell, I can get into them dreamland days where Ah Marcus and Megan, bloody hell, if they ever need to say Josh, we need somewhere to live. Don't you worry about it. Hey, listen, get jump in one of that. These are one of my houses. I could say I could go and pay my dad's mortgage off. These are all the motivations. It all comes from winning these fights. I'm putting pressure on my own shoulders. But like I say, I'd visualised it many times. I'd been sat for years and years thinking when this moment comes, this is how it's going to come out. It got to a stage where I was fucking dreaming about it. I'd focused that much and I've always been massive on visualisation. You know, that thought process has got to go somewhere. It's energy. Um, I'd meditated over it. I'd learned to handle pressure of the crowd. So by the time the, the world title fight come, I was padded, but when you're when you're doing that ring walk, right? Yeah. For that huge
0: fight against Lee Selby, and like you said, everything that you've ever done has come down to that moment, and you knew that was make or break for everything you'd ever achieved and everything you will go on to ever achieve. Yeah. All of the struggles and all the difficult things leading up to that point, from living on the estate and being different to everyone else, having siblings with mental health problems from scrapping and fighting and getting punched on the nose when you were a kid all of that discomfort all of those moments where you might have failed along the way that gave you the bulletproof moment when you walked out on the ring definitely so is the message for people listening to this who want to achieve more from life but always shy away from discomfort is that perhaps seeking the discomfort is
1: where the growth lies yes you have to take the self out of the comfort zone because growth is not going to happen. You're not going to get big biceps if you don't pick up the ways and put yourself through that pain. People in this day and age are scared of failure. They're scared of setback. They're scared of being told no. You know, They're scared of people making them go through obstacles to get there. They don't want that. They want it to be handed on a plate. Like I say, the, the most honest lesson that you can get in my scenario, he's been punched in the face. You know, if you, if you aren't willing to do things properly, then you're going to get exposed. Not only are you going to get exposed, it's going to work. You're going to have a black eye, you're going to have a bust nose, you're going to have been winded. And you can't get any more honest than that. Don't get me wrong. As a time as, as being a dental technician, I didn't want to I didn't want to fail at that either. And There were times when I was saying to my gaffer, you know, come in late and he's saying, Josh, this isn't good enough. I mean, I have to put the hours in and I, I, I don't finish at five, I don't do nine to five, I do 10 or six, give him that hour back. Sometimes I'll give him an extra and a half hour because I've got to show initiative. I've got to say thank you because I've been given this opportunity. Some other people might not be as lucky. And after fights, when I want in camp, then if he wants to make a work a 12-hour day, then I'm working a 12-hour day because you've got to realise that you show initiative, it gets you a lot further in life than just... Tossing off and getting through the day as quick as possible. All them bit of setbacks, putting yourself out of your own comfort zone the pay a dividend. I spent my, my 21st birthday with a British champion who knocked the lights out of Michael Gomez, who uh, Damien knows very well, in a 12-foot ring, getting bashed up by him. Yeah. Why did I do that? Well, because I wanted to be great. I wanted to be better.
0: What did the Marines goes, say? Everybody wants to go to heaven. Nobody's always. prepared to die we well, all want the good yeah. but we're not willing to
1: put up with the bad exactly you know if you want to have the finer things in life or if you want to have a little bit more freedom or a little bit more time than you are you're going to have to sacrifice a lot of things you know you're never going to be given it just there on a the plate you have to make that time unless you're born into, unless Jeff Bezos is your dad then you know, <laughs> yeah but you know even then
0: though that's not the answer because Probably you, not, you've yeah. done really well Probably right? Not. you'll have a lot of money in the bank your job now is to build resilience into your kids that's your next challenge. Yeah, you are right. To be honest with you, uh, Have you got any idea how you might do that?
1: Just not, not fucking spoil them and uh, and, and try and give them. You know, I, I said I wouldn't want my kids to go to. I mean, this is not pointing to any kids who do go to private school, but you no, know, stick with state schools. My I missus mean, did a lot of studying and she's reasons and arguments for why you know state schools, private schools, whatever. But I think you you have to set challenges. I remember reading about. Um, Richard Branson as a young age his mum and dad used to drop him off and I probably wouldn't do the same now in this day and age but he used to drop him off miles away from from his home and say find your way home you know it's setting them challenges taking them out of your comfort zone my dad would say the same to me as a kid I want you to go run to this place and I'll be fucking miles away from home and then get yourself back but you can't monocle you know your children have you heard the phrase helicopter
0: parenting have you heard this yeah like parents who hover around their kids all the time, ensuring that they never fail at anything. And I think this whole conversation with you has been about the positive that comes out of failing because that's where the growth lies.
1: Yeah, it, is it is, it, is, it is. it is massively. It is massively. Nothing teaches you more. It's more so than than your own life experiences. People said to me, there's not like having you, when you have your own kids, time passes and you say, yeah, yeah, you try to, you try to try to realise that as much as possible. But, you actually don't realise until you have kids of your own, you know, and these things in in different scenarios, walks of life, business, sex, whatever. It's it's experienced and downfalls. It's how you bounce back from them as well. These rainy days, they do come, but they don't always last forever. And if you're persistent enough, keep chipping away, then eventually you will leave that path behind. You will leave that bad place behind. You will climb, keep climbing the ladder, but. You've got to get over them bad days. You've got to go off, get over them tired days. But yeah, as a young lad, going to work, knackered, going to gym, knackered, going to university, falling asleep, but thinking to myself, it'll all be worth it. It'll all be worth it. It will be worth in in end. And I remember going to drop some tickets off to one of my pals, and I picked him up, and everyone going to this party on 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 the, on the weekend coming, and I remember saying to him, "Oh, you must be." Uh, must most buzzing for this party, i got it, I can't go, i got it, I can't go. I went, oh, yeah, you'll be training more, you get ready for your fight. He says, yeah, yeah, I was, how's it going? I said, yeah, yeah, I'm just a bit tired, I'm a bit tired. And he looked and he said, listen, mate, don't fucking worry about this party. He said, same old, isn't it? The same old. I said, yeah, I know, but everyone's going to be there and oh, I just wish I go in. going. And, and I think he just said to me, listen, same old. We've been doing the same thing since we were 18. For three years, we've been going to same places, same people, doing the same thing, getting pissed, having a hangover. It's fucking boring. So let me tell you now, from my point of view, any one of us what looks, looks at you and thinks, how does he do it? And we all look at you and think, wow, we could be in our shows. You know what? I wish I'd have not got into this drinking and carried on with my contract with Yorkshire Amers as a footballer, because who knows? I could have been somewhere where you are now. Fucking hell, it would have kicked up the ass what I needed just at that moment in time. Just one of my pals who normally talks a lot of shit and just tells you with the worst jokes in the world, all of a sudden he's giving me a lesson live, but it was enough to give me a massive boost. I'm not missing out on much here. Yeah, it might look glamorous, everyone going out and getting pissed. And like people do it now on the social media, their Instagram life is absolutely fantastic. Soon as I put that down and the post down, fuck me, I'm bored now. What do I do now? They're not everyone's not living that perfect life. Everyone is going through some hard times. Just focus on your own. And from there on, I'm thinking, I'm not missing out on fuck all. And I've got to make this time what I'm doing, this hardship, and make it all worthwhile. I don't want to turn around in three years' time and I've just been chinned and my career's more or less done. I want to make sure I've turned around in three years and I'm just going on to the next level. All that hardship that I've come through, will it have been worth it? Oh, what a special message that
3: was from you, mate Mark like, you're saying it the hair's on the back of mine I can out there, there.
1: You look, you, I think you have to listen you have to listen whether it's I had advice or Ricky and when I were boxed um, when I come away from that Dennis Taberon fight I went over to him after I was getting absolutely slated on social media the pundits the sky pundits slagged me to ground I didn't know how to handle it and he said to me he said why why are you getting worked up why are you getting worked up by these these people they're not in your life when Dave Decorator decorated.'" Or John Sparky goes home with his life. His he, pleasure is going onto social media and slagging you off. He says, don't you get worked up about it? Concentrate on your life because mm-hmm. the career where you're going, the path that you're on, in a few years' time, when you're going home to your big house and you don't have a mortgage and this and other, are you going to be still worried about them then? You no, know, they probably don't get a fuck off the missus. Do you know what, <laughs> what I mean? He said, why, why are you getting so worked up about it then? Um, <laughs> you know, it's little, taking little things in from that, like that, obviously hearing stuff like that from Rick were a massive, massive there's a two massive, choices in life you can either do it
0: or you can stand on the sidelines and criticise people that exactly, are exactly and
1: I think that's know. what I got to I by the time I worked, I'd left university and they started over. It with a case of that you know, either just get on with it crack but on with social it social media not the equivalent
3: of the kids on your council estate do you know what I mean like the kids that are doing the weed or the, the, the you know drinking on a Friday night or robbing a car social media is those same is the equivalent of those kids, isn't it? And definitely. At eight definitely. years old, you were making a decision. I'll follow my own path yeah. here. So there's something consistent about your decision. Don't worry about some troll on social media making a comment
1: about you. It's your life. What happens to to, to this world when when my lights get switched off at final time? Does we all still exist? Does you know you, you find as as life goes on, and I'd, I'd noticed that by time one fifteen that some people, you know, you see them in the gym and then they'd just the They'd be off it, and the next minute, oh, have you heard about him? Oh yeah, he's just being locked. He's on tag. He's only fourteen. He's on bleach tag. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you, you'd see that people come and go in fighter life. It's not been a bad
0: thing, maybe, for you to see people make those mistakes.
1: No, actually. not at all. Not at all, because uh, your own experience, your own life, is your best. Is the best teacher. But you can take little bits off other people. I've seen fighters who've earned enough money to have paid the mortgage off. You know, I have a decent car and drive, and they've spunked it up the wall. And I remember thinking that I don't want that. I want to have people around me like that. So I've always kept a, a small circle. I have thousands of people coming to watch me, but my best of pals are still always a tight circle. In the early days, people used to say to me, You want to go to the next level? You need to get rid of that. Not experienced enough. I used to think to myself, hold on a minute. I've got ears. And I've got eyes. I can see what's going on around me. What he says to his fighter and what my dad says to me as a fighter in instruction, what my dad says makes sense. What he's saying to him, yeah, yeah. fucking hell, it do not make sense whatsoever. So how do you know who's right for me, who's wrong for me? Mm. It's your decisions, it's your life. All right, I could have taken that in and had a little think about it, but I had enough. Experience to know what we're, we're right and wrong there. Not that outside outside influence like that affects me. I love that. I love the I love the loyalty as well.
3: Uh,
0: in and a, the
1: responsibility yeah. again. Yeah, exactly. There's some huge. <laughs> you're only responsible for your own actions. Don't be going fucking blaming other people. If you're not like if you're listening to this, and you're working in that dead end job, mate. I've had it earlier in the year with one of my best pals, and I said, just sat him down. I said, right, like, listen, mate. You're not happy with your job now. You keep on talking about wanting to leave. You look like you're not going any further up ladder. You've been there over eight years now. You're working for somebody else, right? Now, what are you going to do? You've got this idea. You know everything about it. You've got people to back you. Are you going to just sit on there and and think of what could have been? Or are you actually going to do something about it? If you do something about it, then in two years' time, it might not have worked and you think, you know what, I had to go at it I and mean, it didn't work out. And then you're back in your job and till something else comes along. But if it does work, all of a sudden, you're your own gaffer. You're in control of what you're doing. You're not having to do them overtime shifts on a on a on a Saturday and Sunday. You're not having to go, come home to from work at nine o'clock at night. You can dictate the hours that you're putting in now, you should be getting rewarded from that a lot more with the pay packet, a lot more with growth. You should be seeing your business grow, not of somebody else's business grow, not getting rewarded from that. I went quiet for a few weeks, next minute, bam, this is my logo. This is my website. Bam, bam, (laughs) Six months down the line, it's going stronger than ever. It's going stronger than ever. Don't wait till, you know, tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Get it done now. I've seen enough and i listened enough to to, to know that anything can happen. You might be fucking playing sailing and you might be comfortable with that. But just be prepared for that rainy day. Have a plan B because a lot of people don't at this day and age.
3: Josh, on the podcast, we we ask a quickfire round of quickfire questions for you. Yeah. The first one is what are the three non-negotiable behaviours that you and the people around you have to buy into?
1: Okay, honesty. Um, I think loyalty. And I think they've got to be driven. We've got to be driven They've got to. They've got a hunger. What advice would you give to a teenage Josh just starting out? It'll all be worth it. Just, just, just that. If I could go back now and see my myself coming off from gym or from work or whatever, or black eye or whatever, tired, thinking blah blah, just it'll be worth it, pal.
3: How did you react to your greatest failure?
1: Let's do better. Let's do better. Uh, obviously, not failed as such in the ring. But any times that I think I could have done better, it's just get onto it straight away. Yeah, I think if you had the, the the longer that you let, let it dwell, and I'm being, being quick-fired here, but the longer that you you let it dwell and just let it fester in corner, I'll just do something about it straight away. And uh, as soon as you start doing something about it, you'll feel better instantly. Are you happy? Yes. Yes, very happy. Winning the British title, I said I could have died a happy man but then you want more. Hunger goes on. European, world, walked in after winning world title, put that down. I used to uh, have the mindset of wanting to just, i do whatever it takes to win, to to die in the ring. Um, if as long as my arm gets raised, obviously my mindset still is hungry, but I've got a family now and, uh, you know, I want to see my girls and their lives. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy where I am. I'm, I'm at the very pinnacle of my sport. I mean, buddy old oh Jack, I used to listen to you on do interviews on BBC Radio One when I'd been running that morning and I got two buses to work and like fucking newsbeat comes out of Jake. So Jake Humphrey's doing F1 bulletin. Now I'm talking to you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, and then a podcast, you've got me on as a guest. This is this stuff is all pinching myself. And that's not me being humble. That's just being appreciative of what I have right here. So I'm happy.
3: How important is legacy to you?
1: As it goes on, the more, pe- more, the more people I speak, the more people I reach. Massive, massive. I'm honest, and I continue to see it. Messages on social media, people I meet at press conferences, meet and greets. You know, it's funny that you, you, you're put in this position and, you know, all of a sudden you're not a human being, you're a robot. And and I think while people are paying their money to see you and they're reading about you, blah, 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 you've got a position to to influence other people and sometimes you don't realise but every little action you have has a reaction to other people and, you know, I've, I've had people come up to me happy that I'd said this or I've replied to them a message on social media. They've been going through that place, they've contemplated taking their life and they've just, it's, um, Rebuilt their energy Or it's given me A lift and outlook on life And people say You know I've gone off Of fucking rails But I've just signed up To forces You know Some people just need That bit of advice Like I had my advice Back off one of my pals When I, were, when I was 21 Sometimes Hearing certain things Can just trigger something Upstairs in the grey matter So I'm willing to Spend that time And Use my position As uh, As good And that all comes from From a legacy You know me and my old fella did a bit of a talk earlier in the year. We fucking raised a few thousand pounds for his, for a children's hospital. We just had a laugh in a pub. Fuck me, and we've raised a few grand for a for a for a charity. You know what I mean? I, if you can do that with a life, I have I've had fights and it's become folktale. Those who were there at Ellen Road those who went to Berlin, those who were at the Carl Frampton fight, Is do you remember being at that Josh Warrington fight? I'm putting my their life and energy in over people's life and they're making memories from that so you know it all comes down to to a legacy and finally your one golden rule to live a high performance life <sighs> big questions is Jake they're not <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I think you have to adapt i could say consistency but sometimes consistency in the wrong field you'll never get to the destination where you want to. So there is going to be times when you have to adapt. And uh, it's funny, I've just been listening to um, an audio book, The Legacy, (laughs) James Carr, and he talks about uh, uh, all blacks. You know, when, when you're on top of your game, change your game. Adaptation, I'd probably say. I love my performance life. I really like that. Listen, thank you so much for your time,
0: for your honesty. I think that, you know, we've done a lot of episodes of this podcast now and the things that we draw out from our conversation with you, which is taking responsibility, dealing with setbacks, emotional control, believing in yourself, all of those things are conversations that repeat themselves time and time again on this high-performance podcast and you are the absolute epitome of what you can achieve if you take control of your life. And it is, it's is—it's amazing to sit here and discuss it with you and reflect with you. And I think, you know, I'll speak for both Damien and myself when I say that it's clear this story is far from over and we look forward to seeing what the future holds for you. Appreciate that, Joe. Top one. Damien, Jake, I think we talk a lot about responsibility on this podcast. One of my eternal frustrations are people who are waiting for the right moment in their life to live the life they want. And you have that conversation with Josh and it is all about someone who is just creating the life he wants today, right now, no waiting.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, that theme that came out of his conversation there was about time and the finite nature of time. And therefore how do you fill it with the most productive behaviors that you can? So We were speaking to him there just as we wrapped up about the fact that he sits there and thinks a fight is 36 minutes long. And how can he fill each of those 36 minutes with the most productive, destructive behavior that he can inflict on his opponent? But I think that's a metaphor for life. How do you fill each minute with the best version of you?
0: And it may well be that you fill it with the best version of you in the end, but along the way, you fill it with a failing, struggling, stumbling learning version and that's what he talked about as well i think people that are listening to this thinking i'm just too scared to do what i really want to do he is a prime example of someone who has basically conquered the world and
3: become a world champion by failing very much you know think about his story there about you know this is a kid from a council estate that's made a decision how do i differentiate myself how do i break this cycle of a life that i don't want to lead and he's gone in and he's He's, he's gone into boxing that is a brutal sport to make mistakes in. And yet he's taken those blows. He's taken those black eyes, those lessons in the gym. And rather than then seek to blame somebody else or say that he's not good enough, that question he was asking himself of how do I get better tomorrow? How do I learn from that is such a powerful, powerful message for anybody listening to this. Failure is part of the process. It's not the outcome.
0: I'm sure the estate where he grew up is full of pride for what he's achieved.
3: Yeah, definitely. You know, he's a guy that, like he said, 25,000 people turning up at Ellen Road don't come because they're necessarily boxing aficionados. They come because they're seeing a kid that embodies the very best of what we would all aspire to be. Jake, how are you?
0: I'm really well, mate. Really well. Thanks very much. Do you know what's been interesting this week is the number of people, and I guess having had a few weeks off, it was always going to happen, people saying, I've just discovered this podcast for the first time
3: and I can't believe what I'm listening to. I know. It's a real uh, delight that there's people coming to this for the first time. And I think it's like, you know, when you discover an author and then you realise they've got a back catalogue that you think, oh, great, I've got all these that I can go and explore. And hopefully our new members of our community have being able to go back over the first three series and discover a real treasure chest of insights and ideas from some incredible high performers. I think it's also important to remind you all that you can actually uh, watch the
0: interviews as well. We've got a YouTube channel, just search High Performance Podcast on YouTube. I like going on there myself, Damien, because I've obviously listened to quite a few of the episodes, but when I go and watch the conversations that are being had, it's sort of, you sort of see the passion even more from the guests,
3: don't you? Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, you know, that old saying that the eyes are the windows to the soul. And I think when uh, when you can see their eyes light up at certain moments when they're replaying their successes or equally their passion to put things right when things have gone wrong and just how open they've been, has just been incredibly humbling to be in the presence of. It's been great,
0: hasn't it? Uh, let's go to a few comments this week. A quick reminder, if you can rate and review the podcast, if you like what you hear Um, It isn't just an ego thing. It actually genuinely helps the podcast to reach more people, to grow, to be more successful. So please, 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 if you can, rate and review the pod. There's a nice one here, Damien, from Standby g 21 who got in touch on Apple Podcasts and simply titled this Game Changer. And they said, I picked this up by chance, but I've absolutely loved it. The depth of answers you get from these people is incredible, especially in a world where people in the public eye are reluctant to be honest. Listening to this has allowed me to change my mindset and focus on successful outcomes in business and at home, compartmentalizing what I need to do to achieve my maximum potential and success. I love them. I can't wait to listen to more guests. We're getting lots of comments like that. What, from your perspective though, Damien, when we sort of first, when I first called you up and said, look, I want to do a podcast and I want it to be about high achieving individuals. What did you want people to get out of this? What was it about for you?
3: I think it was that idea that, High performance there's no secret to it. I think that's a phrase that you used that in our initial conversation Jake there is no secret it's about hard work it's about having a passion it's about commitment it's about perseverance resilience being smart learning from it and I think I've been lucky enough to have seen that at close quarters as you have and I think to share to people that the people that are achieving high performance are no different from us they don't understand the secret that 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 we don't. It's just about they've got all those characteristics that are trainable and repeatable that anyone can adopt them in their own lives at their own level that they're at.
0: And I think we get um we get tricked by failure. Like I think that failure makes us think that if we've experienced it, we're either on the wrong path or we're not good enough or it's not for us. The thing that has stood out to me from what the 30 plus odd episodes that we've done is that failure is obviously there for all of our guests, but the key thing for them is their relationship with that failure, the desire to seek it, the acceptance that it's going to be around. And I think that that is such an important message
3: for people to hear. Definitely. I was talking to somebody recently about this very point where I said to them, if you want to be good at something, it depends on how long you're prepared to be shit at it for, because there will be a period where you go through it, where you're failing, you're falling, you're making mistakes. But you have to persevere at that level and keep learning from it before you can reach that level of knowledge. And I think that's what all our guests are telling us about, that they didn't start out at a high level. They persevered through that valley of humility where they were making mistakes and they were poor at it.
0: And of course, failure is only useful if we learn from the failure. I remember Matthew McConaughey on this podcast when he talked about his mum going, Mom, if I keep running around the track and I keep stepping in shit every single time... <laughs> I'm not learning from my mistakes. And we've had a few nice messages about that actually this week with people sort of picking up on what Casper spoke about. Casper Schmeichel on uh, last week's episode. Um, Andy, CR1878, said a great high performance podcast to start season four with Casper dealing with millimeters of failure every day. He then says, I still think Casper is 20, not 34. It was a great (laughs) listen. Um, And another one here is saying, Casper was brilliant, always operating within millimetres of failure, then has to rapidly reset. I also love the challenge of his dad to verbalise winning the Premier League at his old school. Uh, A great start. I I look forward to the ones that are to follow. The key bit for me there is operating within millimetres of failure, then rapidly resetting. It's about the
3: reaction to the failure, not just accepting the failure. Yeah, there's always that gap between the event and your response to it. And it's that gap that defines... Uh, how you're going to deal with this, whether high performance is coming your way or whether you're stuck where you are. And it's how we reset, uh, how we reframe it and how we reflect on it. That all happens in that pause, that brief gap between the event and our response.
0: Thanks to the uh, lovely comment as well saying, guys, I love your podcast, some serious gems in there, but I really found Casper's interview. Beneficial. What a mindset. It seems like a genuine down-to-earth guy. And I like this one as well. And I hadn't really thought about this, Damien. This is from Dean on Instagram. He said, I really believe what Casper has done is somewhat more impressive than others because he's never needed to do what he's done. Everyone in their own right has an incredible story, but to be that motivated when he actually didn't need to be, it was obviously referring to his dad's success there and the fact that I guess Casper would be, you know, financially okay even if he didn't play football. He says he was always going to be compared to his dad. And then this is the bit I hadn't really picked up on. He was always going to be compared to his dad, similar to Eddie Hearn. I find these guys so inspiring. And I hadn't really made that link really between Eddie and Casper. But when Dean picks up on that, he's absolutely right, isn't he? These are people that still went for it wholeheartedly, full of passion and belief, despite the great opportunities they were already given in
3: life. Yeah, and you're right. I hadn't sort of made that connection either until you've just said it. But I think... What's really interesting is both Casper and Eddie spoke about they'd seen the struggles, the sacrifice, and the hard work that went on in the shadows, and that was the bit they were in love with. That's what ignited their passion. It wasn't about being rich or playing on the grandest stages. That was the outcome from it, but they actually loved the hard work and the commitment to get there, and that's what they fell in love with. And I think that's a really important message for anyone listening to this to understand. Don't just fall in love with the trappings of success or high performance, it's the journey to get there that is um it, uh, that is the route that's going to sustain you, falling in love at that stage is key
0: and i can't say this often enough. Take responsibility, you know be really honest with yourself and take a look and go right, the reason i'm not where I want to be is it because of circumstance or is it because of application and I think both of those guys, Eddie and casper, are the kind of they're the total flip reverse of someone who's blaming opportunity or circumstances they're brought up in in a negative way, they could have done it in a positive way. They could have said, well, what's the point, man? I I know I'm going to be financially sound, but they didn't do that.
3: Yeah, they started with a passion. They identified what they wanted to do. And then, as you say, they took complete responsibility for how they were going to commit to a, a goal or a task
0: listen it 's always lovely to sit and chat, Damien. I could go through these comments from people for hours. Thank you thank you thank you, thank you to everyone at home. We have um, absolutely we 've certainly um, hit the ground running for series four with with a big impact hundreds of thousands of downloads and listens and views already across our social media across the podcast. So Thank you all very much for that, especially. If you're new to the High Performance Podcast, um, getting new people coming onto this is really brilliant for us. And we really love it when you share what you're learning and what you're hearing. So please, if if you've been inspired, yeah, great, rate, review it, check us out on Instagram, on YouTube. But please, if you can, share it with other people because I can promise you there is someone out there right now feeling negative, feeling like they're struggling, feeling like they want some inspiration and they don't know where to turn. And perhaps you sharing this podcast with them or on your socials or wherever might just make the difference in their lives. Um, Huge thanks, as always, to Hannah and Will for all of their hard work. Of course, the wind beneath my wings, Damien Hughes. We couldn't do this without the professor. (laughs) And also, big thanks as well to Tom Griffin from Rethink Audio for his hard work creating the pod. And I should also say a massive thanks to Josh Warrington as well. And we wish him all the best in his upcoming fight. And I tell you what, before we go, I'll just give you a little sneaky treat because next week's guest is someone who's very much in the public eye and being spoken about at the moment the England rugby manager, Eddie Jones. Here's a sneaky listen to what you can expect next week. On a case, the perfect
3: game. Imagine going out there and you're impossible to play against. Impossible. When you've got the ball, they can't get it off you. When they've got the ball, they've got so much pressure, they're
0: giving it back to you, and that's unrelenting. But that'd be fascinating. I can't wait for that. He is a high performance individual and so are you for listening to this podcast. So have a brilliant next few days. Go out into the world, spread the word, spread positivity and enjoy the feeling of living a high performance life. See ya.